You're listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. From pavers to profits, we're focused on the topics that help hardscape professionals find success and level up. Let's get into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Hardscape Growth Show. I'm your host, Alex from TechoBlock, and today we're joined by Kevin Moore from Carol Landscaping. Uh, he's returning second time on the show. And Kevin, you're joining us today um, because you were listening to uh, one of our most recent episodes where we were talking with uh, Russ Springer from Legends Landscape Supply up in uh, Burlington, Ontario, Canada. And he was talking about all the different ways that you can mitigate risk uh, within your own business and uh, not bear the brunt of the fluctuating costs and uh, continuous inflation within our industry. Very good episode. If you haven't checked that one out, please uh, make sure to do so. But Kevin, you reached out because we touched on a pretty touchy subject, which is the subject of change orders. And um, the company that uh, you conduct sales for and do project management for uh, has been in business for 38 years. And you have done that number of years of success by building a strong customer base and by really building nice relationships with your customers. Uh, and uh, you had some pretty strong opinions when you called me. So we, we just agreed we would, well, let's just do a show and talk about it and share that with everybody instead of keeping that just to ourselves. So uh, first of all, welcome back to the show. And uh, why, uh, why are we having this conversation in your perspective? Well, first off, Alex, thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be on here and always great to see you, any of my friends at TechoBlock. So yeah, the, the the change order thing. I mean, we were they were talking. You guys were talking specifically about the constantly uh, fluctuating. By fluctuating, yeah. we mean rising. It's not really prices. <laughs> That's not really flu- not exactly fluctuating. Increasing, it's just flu- yeah. yeah, it's just going yeah. up, but increasing. So you know, what? How do we protect our client and our reputation and ourselves in this particular, you know, in, in an economy or an economic landscape like we're dealing with right now? Um, in the first place, change orders are the enemy of good business. Our clients are already spending more, considerably more than they would have spent a year ago almost unimaginably more than they would have spent five years ago to do the exact same project. And now with increases coming, and, and as you know, I mean, we, 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 we have a couple different divisions where we deal with a number of different, uh, you know, products, um, you know, our, our general construction division, you know, certainly does a lot of different stuff than our landscape hardscape division does. We're going to stick to landscape hardscape, but, you know, we're still, we're still talking about some pretty large increases here. So if you know that you're potentially two months out from getting to a project and you're going to meet with that client to close that sale, and we'll get back into this lingo a little bit later, but, but I mean, that's a real thing. You, you ha- if you don't close the sale, you don't have the project. There is no work. It has to be. That's important. Very important. So you go to close the sale and you're sitting down with the client and the client says to you, okay, how long do I have to think about this estimate? Well, it depends on what the materials are. So it depends upon a number of things. I'll get my pricing updated on a weekly basis. Okay, So I need to educate the client in the fact that, look, things jump 10% all the time. 
uh, like nothing. I, as a matter of fact, let's use this in, as an example. I've had an older um, a, a air handling unit, AC unit outside yeah, my yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this yeah. last week. And a friend of mine called me, and he's the HVAC guy we work with. And he's like, Kevin, I know that that unit's getting old. I said, yeah, it is. He said, well, if you don't swap it out before May 1st, it's going to go up another 10%. So guess what we did? We swapped it out before May 1st because I didn't want to pay an additional $680 for no reason. Because I knew the unit was going to go relatively soon. Okay, I mean, that that's a reality now. That's not a... You know, you know. Oh, oh, it might go up. No, everything's going up all the time. So we need to get the client to commit to the project. We need to get the materials ordered immediately. Okay, not like oh, when I get back into the office uh, two Thursdays from now, when I remember, I'm going to order the materials. The materials might have gone up four to seven percent in our industry at this point. At that point, right? So we got to order them up front. We got to make sure we have secured those materials and we have to have a good relationship with our suppliers to know, hey, we're going to buy this stuff in advance. Here, this is good. Here, here's your money. Let's move forward with the project. You know, And that's a good way to protect our client so, and so that we don't lose money. I am not going back to a client and telling them, I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, you know, when we originally signed on the contract, this is how much it cost. But, you know, it took me like two and a half months to get to you. Everything and changed. Now it's, you know, $4,000 more. So here you can do this or I'll give you your money back. The answer is going to be give me my money back because that could have been so avoided. How do you avoid that specifically? You, you mentioned ordering the product in advance. That's, that's one thing you can do. Yes. But there's a lot of other variables mm -hmm. that... Like I can't order my aggregates in advance, uh, my fuel in advance. Uh, you know, like how, how do you how do you prepare accordingly? So, for pricing pricing, you have to build in a certain level of contingency for these things. In the first, so I mean, I, I've how many times I don't even know how many times we've run into each other at Hardscape showcase mm -hmm. hearts, you yeah, know, all, the, all uh, the events, summits, yeah. et cetera. And, you know, Pete stood up there, you've stood up there on the stage and said, you know, we sell time a, a million times over. I agree. We do sell time. If you aren't marking up your materials, if you aren't marking up, if you're not adding in additional costs for certain things. Okay. For example, if we have a trenching job that's going to require one of our MTs in their trenchers, those trenchers are going to throw teeth. There's going to be damage to those trenchers per X number of feet. So you need to add in a little bit of additional money to cover the cost of repairing that trencher bar. I mean, it's okay. This is, yeah, one example. Um, if you're purchasing a $10,000 order from your Teco distributor, okay, and you're selling it to your client, for $10,000, you're an idiot, okay? We need to mark up our materials. It doesn't have to be 50%. It doesn't have to be an unreasonable, not that that's necessarily even an unreasonable amount, but we need to protect ourselves, okay? We need to have some level of built-in percentage on top of that to protect ourselves against the yes. movement in fuel so prices. So how do you okay. determine that number? If, if you, if like, cause you just said like 50% maybe not reasonable or maybe it is. So like, how does one determine what is reasonable? 
sounds very subjective. So that's why I'm asking. Well, well, honestly, it is somewhat subjective because, I mean, it depends on what the market will bear at the time. Um, I mean, I think generally speaking, 30% is kind of would be to me something more of a minimum. But it also depends on what your, you know, what your numbers are. But like, I'm curious, like in terms of uh, that markup, you view that markup as the buffer and are there certain materials that merit a higher markup? Like, uh, yeah, uh, certainly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Special, special order or okay. fragile materials. And these really, okay. So let's say, so this really doesn't speak to your product line okay. necessarily. But okay. I mean like, but a hardscape project consumes yeah. various materials, not just ours. So exactly. I'm trying to help everyone. Okay. With everything, so I mean, there's, so, yeah. All right. So there are, there are certain natural stones that are much more brittle or fragile. Okay. Um, if you're going to do a, and I'm going to, I'm going to go to decks real quick. I know you don't build decks. You probably don't like to talk about decks, but this is really simple. So if you're doing a six, <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, let's say we're doing uh no, I'm not going to go into the stone decks thing, even though I know somebody <laughs> who would love that, but I'm not doing it today. Okay. I'm leaving that alone. Um, if you're doing a 16 foot wide deck, boards come in 16 foot widths. It's a lot less than if you were doing them on an angle. You literally have to add 30% for waste. Before it not markup, you're just 30% for waste. And that doesn't even count your additional, necessarily your additional labor. So, so there, there are different types of projects that require a larger markup because of So breakage. do you do it from a, from a really uh, mathematical approach or is it kind of more of a gut feel? Like there's a mathematical base and then you kind of like – hover around a certain markup just because you know, I feel like this, I don't know, we never worked with this material before, or you know what, given what's happening in the economy right now, I'm going to give myself a cushion because the fuel price has jumped up three times in the past three weeks. So I need to do something. So the answer to the question is yes, there are mathematical formulas in place. There is software in place that we utilize, but then you also have the gut instinct on it. Now there's also difficulty. Okay. And specialty. All right. So if you're doing a very specialized project that somebody else is probably not going to necessarily be able to do uh, that, you know, you charge more for that. I mean, you know, a great story. Okay. So I was at a home show um, many years ago and um, the, the gentleman I was working with is a fantastic guy, Bob Jones, my boss, we know, you know, and love him, everybody. Well, you know and love him. I know and love him. But you know, we're standing there at this home show, and we're so, we're so sick and tired of these square foot price people. How much per square foot for pavers? Yeah. Here we go again. You know, which is the dumbest question you can ask. Okay, you know, it's it's as from a consumer standpoint, we don't hear it very much anymore. We used to hear it. So a guy walks up to me and goes, "How much per how much do you charge per square foot?" for pavers. And Bob says, as much as I can get. And he sold the guy the job. <laughs> I, 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 again, that doesn't work no, with everyone. Yeah. However, you know, I mean, th- there's a certain, there's a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of truth to that. You know, I mean, no, we don't, we don't want to gouge people. That's you're, if, hey, you're not going to stay in business gouging people. We don't want to take advantage of people, but your warranty is only as good as your ability to stay in business to honor it. Okay. So 
like I know a lot of really great companies. Uh, I've got, I know electricians, plumbers who I've really enjoyed working with in the past. They've gone out of business because they didn't charge enough. It was that simple. It wasn't the quality of their work. They simply did not know how to price their projects. They did not know how to stay in business. They knew how to create work for themselves on a day-to-day basis. They did not know how to build a business. They did not know how to actually earn a profit. So without turning this into a a math class, because we do have that, if you go to hardscaper.com, we have a great job costing, estimating, bidding course on there. Uh, it's, it's put together by, uh, by, uh, some professionals that that is what they do. That's their profession. That is their specialty. So, uh, if the, if this first part of the conversation has been making you ask more questions, uh, about your own, uh, pricing strategies and do check that out. It's free on hardscaper.com. Let's sh- I also highly recommend that now you've checked Just it let out. Me put that in there. If you, if you, yeah. if you, it, yeah. Oh yeah. If you don't under, if you, if, if you're watching this podcast and you really don't understand how to do that, you have to do that the same way. You have to learn about it just like I had to learn about it over 30 years ago. And one of the best ways to do that is to find good source material and ask questions. And you guys do a great job of providing that material. Um, let, let's shift gears and let, let's come back to the, the sales, the sales process and kind of the, how do we like before we got started here, you said to me, like, you hate the term salesman because it has kind of a negative connotation, kind of like an icky feeling around it. Explain to me, like, how do you approach a sales situation? Like, what 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 is your mission and how do you try to position yourself as the person in that environment, in that situation? I, I mean, realistically, and having given this a lot of thought over a long time, I, I look at it as trying to make a new friend. And that may sound really yeah. canned. It's not, you know, I have a lot of customers who've turned into good friends over the years. You know, I want to go and get to know these people. I, I, I need to determine what their needs are. I need to know what questions to ask so I can fulfill those needs. I have to be observant. I have to be a good listener. Okay, so just, you know, a lot of people think that sales is all about talking fast and getting them to write you a check. And those are, it's, it's not. Do you yeah. feel that, um, do you feel that most people in our industry uh, don't look at sales the way you just described it? Like, do you feel that, like your opinion of it is very different from, from most? Okay. I do actually. Well, why do you say that? Yeah, like, what what, yeah, what have my, you seen that makes you say that? Well, uh, okay. So, so, you know, in the first place, you're not going to make a lot of friends if you're not respectful to people. Okay. I all the time run into situations when I'm, this is when I'm running, if I'm going on, you know, a lead or a a sales leader, what have you, I'm running into a situation where people are saying, thank you so much for showing up. And I used to be astonished at one point by this. Like, what what do you mean? Thank you. You're very welcome. Of course I'm showing up there. It used to be, thank you for showing up on time. I was kind of astonished by that too. I said, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I try to be prompt. I promised you I would call you if I was running a little late, but I very rarely do. The other four guys never even showed up or three of them never showed up. They made the appointment. The other guy was two hours late and he was in a rush. And guess who did, guess who got the job? Being there and being present Uh, and and treating the customer uh, with the respect uh, they deserve. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, that's just appalling to me that, that we are, you know, that it, that level of, you know, disorganized, that's just, dis, that's just being horribly disorganized. I mean, it, it's better to not call someone back than to make an appointment and actually have them wait at their house for you. I mean, that's just, that's just, but, and, and you, if, if as a contractor, we do something like that, those people will remember our names and not in a good way. They're going to be complaining to all their friends about how so-and-so never showed up for their appointment and never Mm -hmm. called them back. That's just reality. Yeah, for sure. You know, if you get stood up like that, your friend calls you that night, you know, you're, you're sitting in the backyard looking at this thing that you want to transform. You're having a glass of wine or you're having a beer. Your buddy calls you. You guess what happened today? I had a contractor who was supposed to come over. He never showed up. Oh, yeah? What's his name? You, for sure you're going to say the name. But that's just the reality. So, like, you yeah. got to think of the repercussions down the road, too. Uh, and, and treat the customer with the respect that they deserve. Because uh, whether they end up being a customer or not, they do have an impact on your revenue in the future. And that example that we just Absolutely. gave is a perfect one. You also have to have respect for yourself. And a couple examples of that. I mean, not everybody who calls the office is a customer, okay? A client isn't a client until they spend money. They're a potential client. We had one guy every year lived in a monster house, not far from where you and I did that shoot in 2017, maybe? I can't remember. Whatever. It was a long time ago. It was fun, but a long time ago. Anyway, but... I mean, this guy reaches us through the website every year to make an appointment for the same thing. He's never done never done the job, and someone in the office will make the appointment. So finally, after like the third year, we called on and called and say, hey, it's not any cheaper than it was the last two times you made up. us come out there. <laughs> yeah, and then he hasn't called us since, you know? And it's like, but so, so that's no. not a client. He's no. not a client. You know, he's, he's, he's actually cost us money basically, you know? So you also have to get, and this is something you learn through experience. You have to learn how to interview these people. You need to learn how to interview over the phone. You need to learn how to say no. If somebody says, ah, geez, you know, I've already had six people come out. I said, well, then you've had enough people come out. What do you mean? I said, you need your what do you need? You, you've had six people come out and none of them knew how to do the job. Oh no, I think they all knew how the job. Oh, okay. Well then you're shopping price. I'm not your guy. It's that simple. You know, I mean, and you can, you can do that nicely, but you can do it quickly too and not waste your time. How do you do that? What do you say? Something very similar to what I just said to you, but you know, along those lines. Okay. Good example. Um, we're in an area where a lot of people work for the government and certain people work for the government, you know, if certain, whether it's a housing projects or projects for, you know, new buildings, et cetera. Well, they're calling us residentially. They're calling us for their house and they'll call and they'll say, uh, hi, yeah, I'm, uh, I need to get a bid on the job. I'll say, okay, cool. Spend me over the specs. I'll be happy to, we'll be happy to bid that for you. What? I said, send me over the specifications. I'll be happy to provide you a bid. Well, that that's not uh, that's not what I meant. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. What did you mean? 
well, I need to get an estimate. Oh, okay, for what? Well, I'm not sure. Oh, so you need a design. I guess so. Okay, I'll be happy to help you with that. There you go. Yeah. And it, you know. The, but that, but yeah, no, but that's a yeah, great I'm, example of because yeah. like the, yeah. you know what they're yeah. calling for. You know what they want. But you're yeah. making them understand the right. difference between a bid mm-hmm. and an estimate and a design or a consultation. And from there, it becomes easier to say, well, that's how much this costs. You understand how what you asked for initially, that's something that may be free. Because all the other work has been done for me. But if you don't have any of this work done and you're calling a professional, well, that has a value. Right. I mean, it, are you going to buy – God, I hate using car examples, but it's I can't okay. think of anything else Everyone has right a now. car. It works for Who everyone. is – okay, yeah. Well, well, not everyone has a car. Uh, do you have a car, Alex? I mean, technically, I have three. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, we're good. That's all fine. Anyway. Are you going to buy a $50,000 car without having any idea no. what it looks like? Okay. Why are you, Why would somebody buy a $50,000 landscape without a design? I have no it idea. It makes no sense. Neither do I. But people do well, it all the time. We work in the industry. You know? We understand the importance yes. of a good design. Well, well, we do. But that's why yeah. I said the car because it's the same. You know, we need to educate our – you know – Part of being a good friend to the client is educating them. You know, it's important to educate them. They need to know, okay, well, why are you doing a Teco block um, mini Creta wall here instead of a uh, Balcon wall? Well, sir, because Balcon's been out of business for 20 years. You know, <laughs> I mean, and that sounds like, like oh, well, yeah, okay. You know, there are different, you have to sell quality. You have to sell quality and value from a direction where they under, the, the client understands that you're looking out for them. Like, look, I've been using this wall for 15 years. I basically have never gone back on a warranty on one of these walls. They hold up really, really well. This is a long, long-term investment. You're spending a lot of money. Don't save $2,000 to redo this project again in five years because you're not saving anything. You're spending three times as much. So I, I like, I like the, uh, I like kind of the, the theme that you keep coming back to, which is being a good friend to the customer. Um, and I want to backtrack a little bit to the whole discussion about change orders and everything, because like yeah, you, you've hit on two points that I think are very relevant to this next part of the conversation. There's the, the being a good friend to the customer and there's the, uh, not sure exactly how to say it, so I'll say it like this: uh, the standing up for your position and the I'll call them the rights of your business. And what I mean by that is just like the example you gave of the bid versus estimate versus design. Um, how do you approach a sales situation where you're trying to help the customer navigate through this process, help them understand things? Um, things will change along the way. Things will be added to the project along the way. Uh, and change orders are a possibility, but like, I, I just want to come back to like the reason we started having this conversation in the first place. You're like, change orders are a bad thing if they're not used properly. So like, let's, let's bite into that. Like help, help let, let's talk about sure. change orders. What What's good? What's bad? What, what the heck, what the heck are we talking about here? Okay. So, and I think we, you and I kind of kicked this back and forth a little bit, but let, let's say the client does, didn't want a fire feature. Yeah. 
Okay. I didn't use the word fire. I'm, I'm going to use it now, but I'm going to use words. I didn't okay. say pit because I know Pete gets upset about that. I didn't say pit, but fire feature. So let's say, and, and look, fireplaces are awesome. It doesn't have to yeah. be a fire pit. There's lots of different cool fire features, but uh, if you, you need to make sure, and it's within that value, it's within bringing that value to the client, looking out for their best interest, that you're offering them things like fire features, offering them things like landscape lighting, accent lighting of all sorts, offering, you know, potentially a freestanding pergola or the appropriate shade structure or screen planting, whatever it happens to be. If you're leaving those particular things off the table, and I think for the most part, the reason that people in our industry aren't bidding the landscape lighting, aren't bidding these different things up front, is they're terrified of asking for money. Okay. That's, I mean, go on. <laughs> what, what makes okay. you say that? I mean, well, because I see it all the time. You know, they're, they're, it's if you've been in this business for any period of time and you are even marginally competent, you realize that accent lights can be added under a wall cap. Yeah. Right? I, okay. You would think that there is such a thing as a path light that you can uplight trees. Simple stuff, right? That fire pits can be built. But she, people are so afraid to ask for the appropriate amount of money. By the time they've run their numbers on, let's say, the patio project, they're going, oh my God, I can't, believe, I can't believe I have to ask for this amount of money already. I'm not possibly going to ask for the lighting and the planting and the fire feature as well. So are you saying that, you know? that change so, orders get overused or misused because we're not transparent or we're not um, confident enough in the initial stages of presenting the project, selling the project that... We're scared to set the right expectation yes. because we don't want to lose the sale. Yes. So we undersell yes. and then things inevitably get added. That's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So what's the problem exactly. with that? They get added. I mean, the problem with that is you, you, you're working twice as hard. And a lot of times you're having to make modifications mid job. Let's say you're yeah. capping your yeah. wall. Okay. Or you're, you've already laid your wall for you're starting to get there in. And well, how about landscape lighting? You might have to tear it up down part of that wall to put the landscape yeah, lighting for, in. For sure. Potentially. You know, it depends on what kind of wall it is. I mean, I don't know if it's a seat wall, that's completely different than a wall that's, you know, an actual retaining wall. But still, it's the idea, you know, if we can get these things into the contract up front, then we've really anticipated our clients' needs to a T. And we're giving them everything they want. If they can't afford to do it all at once, then you do the project in phases. I sold two phase. One was a phase three. And God, I don't even know what, what phase it is on this other job. In the last week, like between the two, they've, they've got to be well over $100,000. I don't know. And, you know. Th those, but those were existing long-term clients. I basically went, repriced everything for today's prices, emailed out, they mailed a check. Yeah, but like to be fair, Kevin, if, if you've been in business for 38 years, which is not most companies, if you've been in business for 38 years and you sold the job initially and you did a great job and you fulfilled all the promises, then the, the trust is there and that opens the door for, for exactly what you just said. Like we want to add to this. Okay, here's how much it costs, and boom, you get a check in your pocket. Like, I'm talking about you're sitting across the table from the customer, and 
they are swearing up and down. Like the most they can afford to spend on this project is 75K. Uh, you're looking right. at the job and you're saying, okay, to do the things that they want, I can maybe do it for 77. I think I can get them to go there. So you don't talk about these other things, maybe a pergola or maybe it's lighting or maybe it's like uh, upgraded plant material or, or, or what have you. I don't know. Um, so you don't talk about them. In your scenario, what you're talking about is now we're building the project, we're going along and they want to, now they want to do it. So that results in a change order and it might be a mess for me to handle and it'll definitely cost them more. But I don't think that that's a situation where they get taken by surprise. Like, like they're asking for Agreed. more. Agreed. Agreed. And I, th- I think we need to segue into the other sections of what the problems yeah, like, with change orders are before we get bogged down in that. Because agreed, that's not the end of the world. I was simply saying on a pro- you know, really a properly a properly proposed, a properly designed, yeah. a well thought out proposal. Those things have been anticipated. And, and I'm not, I'm, but the type of yeah, change orders. Sorry, are, like I'm, yeah. and I'm not saying that you're mm-hmm. wrong uh, yeah. to, to like bring your example up because like selling in phases is an option. Uh, using financing programs, uh, whether the customer gets a personal line of credit or home equity line of credit, or they want to use a credit card for whatever reason, or they want to use something like the, the pave now pay later financing program. Like these are all options that can help them when they thought the limit was here or they know the limit is here, but the project is surpassing that limit. There are options and you shouldn't be afraid to uh, paint a realistic picture because at the end of the day, the only one you're doing a disservice to if you're not painting a realistic and honest picture is yourself. So like, I don't know why you're wasting your own time doing that, selling a job for less than it's, it should be sold for. But when, when, yeah, when, I know it happens every day. We're, we're mm-hmm. trying to stop. That's why we're having mm-hmm. this conversation. But like, there's the parts where the customer is going in fully aware that if they want to add something, it will cost more. We're in a special environment right now where economically everything is continuously changing and increasing. And it's very difficult because now I'm signing jobs today that I'm going to be putting in the ground at the end of the year or potentially even next year. There's no way for me to know how much things cost. You talked about marking up the materials to help cover for me uh, and, 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 and mitigate some of the, the negative impact of those increases. But ultimately, if I want something and it's not available anymore and we need to make a change and this new thing is more expensive or ultimately the price of something has made it cost prohibitive. It doesn't fit in the budget anymore. We were going to use this material, but now this material is sold for nearly twice what it once was and it doesn't fit in your budget anymore. How do we handle that? Someone with your experience, like help me figure out like what would, what would you do then? So I'm going to put my project manager hat on okay, figuratively. Proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Every time. Order, have your material pricing in hand. So in in our market, okay, we are expected to take a one-third deposit on our project. There are exceptions to that. One of the exceptions to that is if the material is special order and would exceed that one-third in order to secure said material. Okay. That I don't know that that's universal. I, I'm not familiar with Canadian law specifically. I don't think there is a law that's something around that, deposits. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. 
if, if you need to secure that material with for that price to put that money out there, you need to get a large enough deposit to do so. Because realistically today, everything is special order. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's everything yeah, is special. People can't order. hold stock. Nothing yeah. is on the but, shelf. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing is on the shelf. Okay. So that would be my statement to you on that is that if you look at, at reality where everything is special order and use that to your advantage. So you're probably saying, what's this lunatic <laughs> talking about now? Use this to your advantage. So, okay. So, so everything is special order. It's almost impossible to get anything. Tell your client that. Start the conversation with that. I want a patio. Okay. We've got very limited availability now. We as in everyone who lives on planet Earth. Okay. So people know this. Okay. If they don't know this, they probably just either cut open the used mattress they found and found $15 million in there or inherited an enormous amount of money and got let out of a mental institution somewhere. Other than that, if they can afford to hire us, they understand this as a reality. Okay. So go ahead and double down on that reality. Use it to expedite the closing process of the sale. Look, I can't hold this price for more than a week. So if you want to do this project, I can get these materials for you. I can purchase them immediately. We can get you on the books to get there in three or four, whatever the time frame is. But we can hold this price for this period of time. If you wait until next week, I need to reprice this project and I potentially need to make changes to the types of material that we're using because things may go out of stock for God knows how long. And, you know, I, your costs are going to go up and I don't know how much because no so, one does. I mean, that, that's probably the most honest way you can tackle it. Um, where do you put all this stock that you're pre-buying? Well, it depends. I mean, if you have a good relationship with your distributor and your distributor has the ability to hold said stock for you for a, for a period of time, then work with your distributor. I mean, I understand. And you've thrown, you've already said it. Yes, we've been in business long. Yes, we have very large capacity to hold stock. So I understand not everybody has that. But if you're a small company or you're operating a very, very small company, you don't need to pull in. I, it's very unlikely if you're running you and one other guy that you're buying 20 you know, loads from Teco a month. Right. I mean, nobody's no, right. that's okay. not happening. I mean, so, so you, you may, may not, not be ordering it all right away to stock it, but like <sighs> you're ordering at least a month out or two months out, whatever, whatever the timing is for those products. The key is communication. Lock, yeah. lock it in, lock it in, communicate with your distributors, but you have to have that information up front before you get yeah. to the point. Of yeah. Sale. And ultimately at the point I, of sale, I'm just going to uh, mm -hmm. walk back on, on what I just said, because please, uh, you can still order it right away because it's not in stock right now. So you need to order it so that the dealer can order it so that the manufacturer can make it. And then once it's made and cured and ready and packaged, then it can ship and then it can ship again. It'll ship to them and then it'll ship to you. So that understanding that length of time is the, 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 the initiator for when you need to order that stock. Okay. So, so we have that part. Um, what else can I do? Is there anything else that I can do? 
Uh, actually, so no. Be- before before, be before we get to that, actually, is... I want to ask you: like, yeah. the, has your closing rate changed because of that tactic? Well, I, I'll take a little bit of issue with the term well, tactic okay. simply because simply because it's not a tactic. It's just it might okay. be adjustment brutal, in approach. Honesty. Is that more appropriate? But it's okay. I guess so. It's yeah. it's honesty. It's being honest. I don't know when things are going to come back in stock. I don't know what the stock situation is going to be from day to day basis. We don't know what the fuel prices are going to be from a day to day basis. We don't know how these are. Going to, I mean, the, 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 we know things are going up. We just don't know how fast. And we know that things are unavailable. We just don't know what's going to be unavailable next week. We just know what's unavailable this week and what's available this week, basically. <laughs> or let's not even go this week. So today. In other you know, words, so, do most, do most so customers no. sign at that point when you say, this is the reality. If you don't sign this week, next week I will have to requote the project because prices of everything are going up. Availability of everything is going up. So, so in all fairness, let me back up yeah. a little bit. The, the, the week timeline is that's not a one size fits all. Okay. If it's not a week, in other words, if I know that my, my material is the same yeah. until the end of June on a certain product and that the availability is there, I don't say you need to sign in the next three days or your yeah. you know coupon well, is going to expire. Yeah. That's that, that, yeah, that's, that's not what I do, but, but I try and give people a very, a very like kind of a wake up call mm-hmm. situation of what's going on. You know, I guess I'm asking, is it effective? Yeah, very, very effective because it, it separates, you know, it, it, it really separates the people who are serious from the people, well, the serious now, okay? Because just because somebody doesn't do it now doesn't mean they're not going to do it in two years. You also don't want to burn bridges, okay? Because there's a lot of clients who I've done work for, and it might be a dinky little job, it might be something... You know, and I went and I saw their brother or cousin or neighbor and we talked about a job five years ago and then they called me this year and we revamped the whole thing and we did it. And yeah, if they'd have done it five years ago, they would have paid half the price, but they didn't do it five years ago and they understand that. So you always want to keep a good, friendly relationship with potential clients, um, assuming you want them as potential clients, because not everyone is my client. So, but, you know, you still want to, yeah, I mean, I I think it's been very effective. Okay. And in the instance when uh, you do have to address that situation, like I brought up before, because you you put your project management hat on, but the, like, I want that material. My material is not available anymore. Even if I planned, we planned. It doesn't matter. We planned. We, We ordered the material, but it's not happening. I can't get that material anymore. Or I ordered that material, uh, but the pricing still had to go up even though I ordered it because they can't make it at that price anymore. They have to change the price. How do you navigate that situation with the client? I mean, I, I haven't had the, 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 the latter of those. They can't make it for that price anymore because they've had to change price because I've already locked in my price on that material. So they have to honor, they have to honor prices with, at least with us within this price structure within a certain time frame. Um, you know, my, my, um, 
my distributors don't get to clear force majeure on me and change their prices immediately. They, they give me a price list that's good until this date. That's the price, or I consider it to be a breach of contract. I don't deal, I don't deal with them anymore. And so we have not had that occur. Um, so, but, you know, as far as like the other options, uh, realistically, I can only think of a couple times that that's happened, even in the current climate. And we've worked it out one way or the other without having to go back and eat the additional cost, if there's even is any additional cost. And if we're talking about like an $80,000, even $30,000 job, and we're talking about $300 more, we should have enough margin to be able to cover that in our markup or in our slush fund. What's so a slush fund? What do you mean slush you know, fund? Slush fund, you know, the markup, the overall markup, the that, that, that kind of... The, the, that undeterminable number of what an okay. overage might be, whether it's breakage, what have you, that that's kind of covered in the markup. We haven't run into a situation where our planning was so poor that we waited until two weeks before we were ready to start the project and the material cost yeah. went up 50 percent. Like yeah. that just hasn't okay. happened. So what, 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 OK, I know yeah. that's a reality, but that's our, our planning is we, we, we're a lot tight. We plan a lot okay. tighter. So than that. let's mm -hmm. uh, let me try to just make this like. Some actionable. Uh, let me try to make this some actionable advice, like piece by piece here. Yeah. One is order the materials as quickly as you can. You get the order, or yes. you get the signed contract. You know what you need. Collect mm -hmm. the deposit that's appropriate for acquiring the materials. Make sure. That's point one. Point two is make sure that in your pricing, the materials have been marked up to not only uh, cover for the risk factor associated to you estimating and acquiring and holding and handling those materials, but also to account for uh, cost overages or overruns that can, uh, might, and likely will in today's climate occur with your project. Uh, but be as fair as you can because dishonesty will bite you in the, uh, you know what, eventually. Um, third thing is plan as accurately as possible Try to anticipate all the variables that can affect the cost of the project to subsequently make sure that that markup um, makes sense on, on point number two. Uh, point number four is be as upfront with the client as possible with regards to how much this project should cost. Don't beat around the bush. Don't be shy. Don't um, You don't need to be arrogant about it. You can be honest. You can be humble. Uh, like you said, you know, try to be a good friend for them, but help them understand like this project will cost this much. There is no way I can do it for that much. Um, so this is what we have to do. And if this way doesn't work, then perhaps we can do it by phasing the project, or we can look into these financing options, or we can look at postponing the project. However, the costs will still continue to go up, but maybe your financial situation will be stronger than it is today. Um, Fifth would be uh, any changes that you do anticipate potentially happening in the project. Again, talk about them as soon as you think about them. Don't don't sit across the table from the customer and the husband and wife are looking at each other and they're talking about the fire pit and you see they're really leaning towards the fire pit and then you come in the next day or later on that same night with a proposal that does not include a fire pit or a fire feature. Sorry, Pete, or a fire feature. Include, <laughs> include the fire feature in that initial proposal 
and then have proposal B where you omitted the fire feature, but at least they know. Sure. Um, did I miss mm-hmm. anything? I feel like the, the, those five kind of hit. I, I, I feel it. I feel like you covered them pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, we could go a lot further with this with different examples, but it, I, I think it, I thought I think that those bullet points are pretty accurate. Is there anything else that you would add that could be helpful to any contractor at any stage of their business in trying to sell? hardscape projects, landscape projects, sell their services, sell their designs in today's climate. You've been doing this for a long time. You have seen economic ups and economic downs. We're going into a down. What do we need to do? What do we need to watch out for? Is there anything else that you can add? Uh, d- d- yes. There's something very, very specific. I, well, there's 800 things I could add, but you asked yeah. me for one thing. Um, we are experiencing record inflation. You can't start selling out of fear. Don't start slashing your prices because you're afraid you're not going to have enough work. That's a great way to go out of business. You yeah, you don't ever want to be in a position. So, so you never, you never want ever want to be negotiation. You're negotiating from no. a place of weakness. You always negotiate it from a place of strength. Whether you're actually in a place of strength or not is irrelevant. You <laughs> you want you need to you need to approach it from being a person who's negotiating in a, in a place of strength. If you're so so great example two thousand and oh jeez nine okay very bad housing bubble burst in the United States all kinds of it was a disaster. So right next to your Douglasville plant about there used to be a great. I mean, it was a great quarry called Architect, and it was H&K Group, but it's Architectural Stone. They had an Architectural Stone line. They had some really cool natural steppers that had kind of a wood finish. They had some other ones that had a really neat green hue to them. So they had some really, really neat stuff. Where they had this salesman who was like, he was like the super salesman. You know, I mean, this guy was really cool, let me tell you. Well, he closed the deal to sell all the facing stone to the new buildings they were putting in at Penn State. At that point, nobody was building anything. So if you've got a municipal project, because the government seems to be the only entity that doesn't run out of money, because let's well, not go there. That's another. Let's that's another. That's a <laughs> completely different. <laughs> allow me to rewind. So he winds up selling. I think it was like four or five million dollars yeah. worth of stone to Penn State to face all these buildings. And I mean, Arkstone is killing it. They're printing catalogs. They're doing all this. They're, I mean, Times they're, are good. they're yeah. flooding the market. Okay. Okay. They're not. What was, when was the last time you were in Douglasville at that plant? Oh, uh, you remember? 2017, the same year I came down to see you. Okay. Did you see the Arkstone sign when you drove past no, the Douglasville no. plant? Yeah. No. You know why? Because he sold them, those them at a five cent per pallet markup, his commission was two percent of the sale. So he sold five million dollars mm-hmm. material for four million dollars and still got his material. Basically, yeah. still got his. He made his uh, cut. Yeah, <laughs> his commission. Now, Ark. Now, granted, the company. Now, and this is this is something of lore. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the business, I don't know all the exact numbers. That's what I was told from reliable sources. But I mean, and and now Arkstone is no more and has been no more for a long time. 
because internally they didn't catch it until it was too so late. So what you're saying is yeah. really make sure that you know your numbers <laughs> going into the selling <laughs> yeah. situations. Y- and, yes. Uh, maybe yeah. we've been able to get away yeah. with fudging numbers over the last two years because the demand is so high and just everything's going up. So you, you, you can round up and you can guess and people are, are waiting in line to get to get access to your services. So you can quote unquote cheat. But um, if we're going into a slower period, you need to really have a strong handle on your numbers so that you're able to uh, accurately price every element of a project so that you're still preserving your profits, but you're giving your customers the best value possible uh, because price sensitivity is returning to the market and is returning as quickly as the inflation is rising. They, they go hand in hand. So we need to be really smart with how we understand our numbers, how we price our projects. And when we're pricing projects, those five points that I hit earlier that, that you brought up throughout the course of this conversation should kind of be your, your, your guiding principles in terms of going into that sales situation. Because otherwise, you're not going to be selling on a long-term, build a strong relationship with your clients, have them become return customers, have them refer your business, and uh, have you leaving the job site with that final paycheck saying, you know what? I made a fair profit on this project. All my costs are recovered. My overhead is recovered. All my team is paid and my materials are paid and there's a profit returning into the company. It's, I don't know how else to say it other than it starts with doing the math and it ends with being a good steward to every person that you interact with. If you run your business that way, then sales come easily. If you don't, then sales are very hard because it's sporadic and unpredictable. And you you need the, the last thing that I'm talking to the client about, and I'm not talking about like small talk and whatever and, and it, the, the last the last point is those numbers. Everything else is spending the time to educate the client, spending the time to show you to show them the value. Because um, yeah, I, I, I like talking about value. I like talking about ROI, return on investment. I, I don't really like talking about price. When somebody say, look, I, I just want to do it cheaper. Well, th- I, then you're talking to the wrong guy. You know, what do you mean? I said, I don't do cheap. Cheap is junk. You know, I don't build junk. I need to stand behind my work. If you want a good value, I'm your man. If you want cheap, you need to find someone else. You know, it, 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 it's about it's about sticking to those principles of, okay, we're going to build good quality products, projects with good quality products that last and actually give our clients a good return on investment, not just financially, but more importantly, from a quality of life standpoint. I mean, not you really don't need a patio with a fire feature and built-in no. water wall. Like, to live your life, you don't need that. Uh, no. No, you're not going to you're not going to starve to death if you don't have like these are not things these are not necessities but these are things that do improve your quality of life so that you can enjoy yourself and you know entertain clients, entertain your even just your family. You know, these are things that will bring enjoyment to you. You know, so we we need to give people really good long-term value out of this and let them see this is a good investment for more mm-hmm. ways than one. I think it's a good way to put it. Okay, Kevin. 
Uh, I think we've, we've hit on a million and one things. Uh, but I think we, we, we came up with a good summary there at the end. Um, last chance, anything else you want to add before we, uh, we bounce for this week? At this point, just, I, one thing I can say, having been in this business as long as I have is just to double down on that idea of treat your client like they're your friend, you know, because a lot of them will in long-term become your friends and will be wonderful assets to your business and wonderful advertising for your business. You know, don't be the hit and run guy. It doesn't work out. It never does. You know, be, 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 it's, it's not a, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Keep your friends close. Keep your clients closer. There you go. (laughs) All right, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us uh, this week. Um, Oh yeah. Before we sign off, how can people uh, reach you if uh, they're interested in, in continuing this conversation about sales and picking your brain? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Best way to get a hold of me, honestly, is via email. Uh, K A Moore M O O K A M O O R E C L at gmail dot com. Um, hit me up there if you want to continue the conversation. Uh, from there, you can get my links to Instagram, Twitter, etc. And we can, but you know, if you really want to have a personal, if anyone actually wants to have a personal conversation about this, I'm here, I'm available. I'd love to talk to some guys about it, guys or gals about it, whoever, whoever wants to check, who wants to have this conversation. Um, as you know, I've been, uh, I've been pretty committed to elevating this industry for a long time. And I'm, and I'm still, I'm still very, very committed to that goal. I, I want to get our industry to the level that it should be. And, you know, so if I can be of any help to anyone out there listening right now, you know, shoot me an email. I will get back. To and uh, I'm just going to plug real quick the, the first episode that we did together, which is called Project Management, Staying Ahead of Material Shortages. Uh, that one came out in September of 2021. But there is a ton of great actionable advice in that episode as well. It's actually one of our most popular ones all time uh, with a couple thousand people having checked it out already. So make sure if you haven't listened to that one that you do. Kevin, once again, thank you very much for joining us on the show. And until next time, everyone work hard, pave harder. This is Alex from TechoBlock. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Hardscaper.com. The Hardscaper mission is to empower industry professionals with the skills, inspiration, and confidence they need to take their businesses to new heights. Struggling with training programs for your team? Looking for helpful tips to build a better company? Subscribe today to gain access to hours of interactive, on-demand hardscape construction and business courses for free. Plus, members gain access to virtual educational events, special offers, and fantastic prizes from our partners. Visit hardscaper.com today and let us help you pave your way to greater success. You've been listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time, work hard and pave harder.